This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues and ideas that shape our lives with your guide, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Connell, Matt, it's good to be back in control of the tech mm-hmm. after uh, Connell's little glitch uh, last yeah. episode. Oh. But did you mess it up, did you? Uh, it's the first time I've heard a sound effect on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so you accusing Stu of reading it so that he I still am. has a job. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. it. I, totally, I confess. Absolutely, yeah. I did. Oh, but yeah. uh, thanks, lads, for carrying the uh, carrying the show while I was away. Not mm-hmm. that I really do much other than push the buttons, but... Uh, we didn't great. go too far off track, did we? Well, Probably. I was concerned at one point. <laughs> I thought yeah. we did pretty well without yeah, you. No, I was guess good. I yeah, well, hey, I'm happy to I've, take the morning off. I felt know? we could easily have run a mark. I reckon. Yeah. Well, Matt was, uh, I noticed Matt was really clearly keeping you in control there. But anyway, listeners, welcome back. Great to have you with us for Thrive Perspectives as we continue our Worldview series. Now, uh, you know, we've been sort of trying to think through some of the key topics that may be, you know, really helpful in terms of application of some of the things that we've been talking about. And what we want to cover today is we want to talk about what, what the point of prayer really is, because we've sort of talked about how we discern God's will and and how and how God's purpose is perfect for our lives and that there's really nothing we can do if we walk in God's way that will thwart his perfect uh, purpose but if that's the case then what does role does prayer pay uh, why is prayer important and if prayer does matter then why does it seem like sometimes God just doesn't even answer our prayers you know, if mm. if there isn't, if, if you know, if there is a purpose and a point in praying, when God's already got a plan mapped out, uh, and we pray, but we seemingly don't get either any answer or, or the answer that we mm. we want. Uh, now, you know, I guess that raises the question also: Does God change His mind? You know, can mm. we change God's mind mm. through our prayer? And I think these are good good questions mm. to be asking. And yeah, I think yeah. it's probably one of the things that many people struggle with, where their hearts desire for us for healing perhaps, for, for a particular problem to be solved, to get a clear direction on something and they f- feel like they mm. don't get any kind of answer, I think is probably you know one of those kind of key causes that has people questioning their faith. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And to push that question and relate it to the last uh, episode, we talked about the prosperity yeah. thing and mm. that uh, faith isn't a sort of blank check that mm. we cash in and get all the things that we want. Life has a purpose. We're we're here for a purpose. And the promises of God apply for the purposes of God. So we, you know, we're taught that we should be praying in accordance with God's will, which to press the question, Stu, means if if we're praying according to God's will, why do why do we have to pray for for the things that God already Yes. wants for us yes. in order for us to receive those things. Why mm. wouldn't it be automatic? Yeah, exactly. And I think also, just very quickly to add to that, so that we just don't go down one path, is we've we've seen in times where it's seemingly in Scripture God's changed his mind. This person appealed, and God therefore didn't do what he mm. said he was going to do. So, you know, I think they're good questions to be, yeah. good questions to be answering. I think the goal is to apply a Christian worldview to this, because this is where I think the importance of the Christian story and the Christian worldview accordingly, and the Christian worldview is very much a story. It's a dynamic, unfolding story. This is a great opportunity to demonstrate how a Christian worldview actually applies to some of these questions. Now, of course, we're not here to give all the answers. No, that's right. But 
uh, the Bible does provide us with a framework within which we can understand these things. So there are actually really good biblical responses to these questions. So first of all, we have to refer to the story. Remember the story that we're a part of. We have to talk about who we are as human beings, what the goal of our lives actually is, why we were created. All of these are questions that are answered starting from Genesis and in different ways throughout the Bible. And this is where I think it's important when we deal with questions like this, fairly vexing questions, the first thing we need to do is draw out to the bigger picture, the bigger story, and and ask questions about the big story and, and how the big story might answer those questions. So first of all, the important thing about human beings is this idea of being created in the image of God. We are children of God, in other words. We represent God. We are empowered to rule over the earth. And that empowerment is a real empowerment. You know, it says in uh, Romans uh, eleven twenty nine, the gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. So God empowers us in this realm, in this world that he's, he's given us charge over. So, so the two things we can pick up uh, from that is, is, first of all, the goal is very much around relationship. It's not just transactional. We're, God doesn't want a transactional relationship. You go off, live your life, uh, you know, come in. He's not like the, the, the corner store, you know, and come back to the corner store. Yeah. You know, he's the guy yeah. behind, the, behind yeah. the counter. Yeah. Come back to the corner store. I mean, we are children of God. He's our father. He wants an ongoing dynamic relationship yeah. with us. Prayer belongs in that context. You've got to think it's all about relationship. By contrast, in a lot of other ancient uh, Near Eastern religious systems, pretty much in every other uh, religious system of the ancient Near East, human beings were a kind of afterthought created as sort of lowly servants of the gods who were you know, given the job, for example, to feed the gods. You know, that's the offerings and so forth. And, you know, if they were sort of good enough, then, you know, God might bless them. And, and it was this very transactional sort of thing. They had this role to play servants of the gods. Uh, if they were good enough, uh, if they offered the right offerings, then their god, in a, with a small g, might do them a favor. Mm-hmm. You know, they could ask a favor of the god and God would, you know, bless them. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I feel a lot of my pastoral experience is that too often Christians treat God mm-hmm. like that. And because it's kind of intuitive, because the high view of humanity that the Bible teaches is 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 difficult for us in our fallen state to kind of grasp hold of. Yeah. You know, how how could this be? Because we have this inherent sense of unworthiness and so forth. And, and there's an element of truth to that. But remember, we were created originally as children of God. We fell from that. And through Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. we are restored to that position. Okay. Yeah. And it's a very high position. We are drawn, uh, as it were, into the very counsel of God and and this idea of the counsel of God is a, is a biblical idea mm-hmm. and we are invited into that as it were into this relational process even by the Holy Spirit in a in a you know in a sense even within the relational 
sort of dance in a sense the the relational mm. dynamic we're invited in within the godhead himself by the holy spirit mm. you know romans 8 mm. talks about the the spirit himself intercedes within our hearts right mm. and so we're invited even into the interrelationship between the persons of the trinity as as mm. unfathomable as that is yeah. so it's it's so you know we're invited to the highest places to the most intimate relationship into the counsel of god mm. even to the inner dynamic of the relationship of the persons of the Trinity. So that's, you know, that's the starting point, that Trinitarian view, that, that bigger view of human beings as being children of God. This is the context for prayer. It's also the defining thing that I think defines Christianity quite distinct from every other religious mm. worldview or framework out there that is very much about God sort of hands down the rule book in the process yep. and you've now just got to, to jump through the hoops and yep. climb the steps. And if you get to complete the, the, the checklist at the end, you get your pass or, yeah. or fail. Yeah. Where I can't think of any other religion where there's that sense of of relations. And, and Christians often say, you know, I don't think it's a bit of a cliche, is that it's a relationship, not a religion. And I think that statement, I know that what people are trying to say is a little bit problematic in some ways as well, but that the intent behind it is it, it is it is true too, because that is actually the defining thing that marks Christianity quite distinct from everything else out there that that it is kind of an unfolding thing that's that's kind of worked out mm. by engaging in 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 talking and communicating. And I think you said it well too there, like the position that we're basically given through grace mm. is a high, high, that's right. a really high position, which mm. is a really interesting idea when you think about it that way. Yeah, that's so right. So it's, it's out of that that we kind of want to do that dance with God. And if we anchor the idea of prayer to that, which I think Yeah, that's right. I mean, the word religion, of course, is, is plagued with ambiguity, oh, that yes. word, but, you know, it has this association because so all the other religious in a sense and I, I know it's 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 very clumsy to really generalize the mm. problem is is that and this is one of the problems with the word religion is that religions have some things in common but there's so many broad differences mm. but they are they do tend to be these systems of rules and there's a transactional mm. element uh, in them there really is nothing quite like the high high view of humanity that you get uh, beginning with Genesis chapter one, that that is it is very distinct, and so you know perhaps because of that background, it's difficult for us. And and I mean one of the reasons that these religions are created is because it kind of makes sense in that sort of against the backdrop of a mm. general sense of us feeling mm. unworthy in some sense. You know, it's the the marring of the divine image that perhaps disables us from seeing the fullness of our human dignity. Yeah. Um, and the Bible not only reveals that to us as our original state, but the goal of Scripture is to restore us through that, mm. uh, through Jesus Christ. So initial, initially, we're restored to that positionally, and then, of, of course, uh, ultimately, we will mm. be f you know, fully resurrected and, yep. and, and restored to that, perfectly to that divine yep. image in a new heavens and a new earth. And just say, this too, is like, the background. I think as, as people, we're attracted to the idea, which is really strange when you think about it, but we're actually attracted to the idea of process more so mm -hmm. than relationship because if we kind of think 
if we can as do in transactional th- process. Yeah, because it's more defined or more tangible mm. that if I do this, this, and this, and yeah. this, then I will have pleased God and mm. earn my salvation, as opposed to relationship, which takes all of that mm. out of the picture, and that's really hard for us to grasp. Like mm. even if you look at all of the sort of set aside even other religions, you take those that are based on the Bible mm. and have become more of the cults. It's all about trying to create a, a process that you've got to fulfill some sort of criteria. Mm. If you look at any of those, you know, alternative kind of Christian-based religions, it takes those central truths of mm. Christ and, and puts some element of works and, yeah. and process and mm. something around it that you've got to do in order to get there. And that, it's attractive to people because it, it means is. I can it means I can feel some assurance of my standing before God because yeah. I can see that I've done this this mm. and this but in terms of relationship mm. it's all very undefined in yeah. a way isn't it like, yeah I think the whole process thing is deeply embedded in us not even if you take religion out of it we all want the five step process you know I want to lose yeah. weight so I do this 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 and this and mm. you'll get that outcome we just want that sense of definitive if i do this then that will happen i think in all of life where and i think on all of life we're deeply transactional as well i think mm. regardless of how much we, we might like to think our motives are clear you know i go and help somebody in the back of my mind i'm probably thinking gee i hope one day they help me or they think better of me or there's this whole transactional mm. thing that goes on and it's, i think you're absolutely right it's really mm. difficult for us to break out of that and actually think about mm. our relationship with god in a non-transactional, non-processed way. Our relationship, <clears throat> living our life in a non-transactional way with God and having a relation, yeah. relational one should be so freeing and liberating. You think about it and it's just a, an amazing... But you see, that's the problem. That's the stumbling block because we're so embedded with transaction. We can't yeah. accept that. I know. It's like, no, 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 I must have to do something. But, yeah, well, there's a, there's a, let me yeah. say this. There's a deeper issue actually behind that transactional mm-hmm. uh, approach to God because it enables us to retain our autonomy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we in, in a sense, it's us controlling or perhaps a better word is instrumentalizing everything else, even God himself. Mm-hmm. So yeah. God becomes an instrument for me to get the things that yeah, I want. Uh, a tra- it's the same with a transactional. When we have a transactional relationship, even with the natural world, mm. we, we put in this so that we can get this out. Mm. That is problematic mm. a- a- as well. It's it's that playing God mm. kind of thing ourselves. It's that holding on to our autonomy. So I can do these transactions. I get what I want. I basically hold on to my autonomy, which means self-rule. I rule my life. Mm. Now, the cost, of course, of stepping into relationship with God is that your whole autonomous self is completely obliterated. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is why the mm-hmm. step into that new position is described as a kind of death yeah. and new life yeah. experience. It's like being born again because that old self completely dies. Now, we've talked about a lot about mm-hmm. the false self yeah. uh, already, and we won't go into yeah. that uh, now, but it's obliterating that whole mm. thing. So it's actually quite a radical. This is not a tweak. Oh no, don't have a. It's yeah. not transactional. It's this instead. This, the the step from the one to to the other is not a kind of a tweak. In order to step from the one to the other, it requires the complete obliteration of your autonomy. And this is an important perspective for the questions that we're asking yeah, here, totally. because prayer isn't actually any more about me getting what I want. The goal here is is a relational merging of God's will and my will. This mm. is, you see, this 
in in Jesus who exemplifies in so many ways. I mean, Jesus prays to God, and He is God. This is the great paradox. Of, yeah, yeah. But but here again, we see the this sort of inter-trinitarian kind of relationship happening, and and what He's demonstrating is this oneness with the will of God. Because you know, He says in the garden, "It's not my will, mm. but Your will be done." Uh, in His humanness, He resists doing God's will, but He's going to give up His very life. Uh, in order to merge completely with the will of God. This is probably the most important prayer, remember, that, that we have in Scripture, is that prayer in the Garden mm. of, of Geth- Gethsemane. And and we see there, I think, the goal of prayer, which is not transactional. It's so difficult mm-hmm. for us to get that out of our heads. It it's not primarily transactional. I mean, we're gonna, we'll say more about that because mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, the kind of bold, almost bartering with mm-hmm. God that you see and I'm using that word a little bit facetiously, but yeah. you do see it this and making appeals yeah. in the Psalms and you see conversations with Abraham and Moses with God, you know, for example. So we'll address yeah, we'll great. address that. Yeah, but remember the bigger goal, I mean the, the the sort of the perfect example on the back of all those other examples is is Christ and what he's demonstrating is that the goal of prayer is this absolute relational mm-hmm. unity, this merging of our will with God's will. That is the complete obliteration of our autonomy without obliterating our true self. Because, mm-hmm. uh, see, we think we need to individualize and break off away from God to be the branch that breaks off from the tree in order for me to have a sense of self. Uh, but Jesus says, no, I am the vine, you are the branches. Like, you know, you get you grafted into me. It's in that context that he says, ask whatever you wish, in the context of being grafted in to the vine, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you, you know, whatever you are. And so the context is that the wishing is fundamentally transformed. Yeah, what you want. The wishing is an outflow Mm. of of God. And so that is the beginning of understanding the why of of prayer and, and, you know, why even pray. The big picture is, is that it's got to do with the merging the Alignment, the, the alignment, alignment yeah. of our of our will with and articulating that, mm, you know, mm. and and choosing that alignment. Mm. You know, pr- prayer is a way of us choosing that relationship is a very active thing. We can't be passive in our life. Oh, we'll just sit back and just receive all the things that God wants to give. No, as soon as you're talking about relationship, you're talking about active engagement and active affirmation. You know, so be it. It's mm-hmm. the you know the word amen. You know, when we use the, the word amen, it's been so be it. Mm-hmm. It's a affirmation of uh, of what God wants to do and our active engagement with that and willing of that. And all that what God wants to do in the world, He wants to be the fruit of that, of that alignment between us. When we have that alignment, then everything that is good is going to flow out of that as the fruit. Mm. So that's that's the goal of prayer, and an answer to prayer, the answers that God wants to bring about is the uh, is going to be the outcome of uh, a relational alignment that is achieved through. Yeah. Prayer. I think that's yeah. important yeah. context because you can get so you can go into a discussion of what is prayer, and you can go into all the different types of prayers and and different modes of praying and different goals of praying. You know, and and you can go through all of that. But I think what you've said there is it's almost like a unifying idea of prayer mm. at its at its at its core. The most mm. powerful concept of prayer is the fact that we're entering into that core 
thing that God wants to do with us, which is to yeah. bring him into a relationship with us. And a prayer is the thing that allows, it's hard to have any relationship if we have no ability to communicate or or, or interact. Which is true in any relationship. That's, that's right. So that's that's what prayer is. Now, obviously, there's a transactional part to our relationship with mm. God. Like we can ask God for things, mm. to do things and to to prosper us and do all those other things or mm. for guidance as well as to worship him or all the other things that we do in prayer. But but there's a transactional element in it. But the transactional element, it starts with the relationship rather than starting with the transaction. You know, I, yeah. I, I slightly react against the word yeah. transaction. I talk about interaction. You know, I- interaction yeah. is mm. we, we, we talk about even the persons of the Trinity interacting and we are invited into that. Probably to just to ground this, because they're grand ideas, the most powerful experiences that I've had of intercessory prayer, you know, praying for something, have been moments where I sense, I, I feel guided by the Holy Spirit to focus on something, even guided in what to pray for, mm. uh, even in group settings. You know, the most powerful forms of intercessory prayer are when people flow, as it were, with the with the desire of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, you may ask, well, what's the point? The point is that we are merging with the Holy Spirit. We're stepping into that flow, and we are participating in the interaction within the Trinitarian Godhead. We are mm-hmm. participating in that uh, in that interaction, mm-hmm. and we're affirming that, you know. Yeah. And it's through that. God wants everything that's good that's done on the earth to be the outflow of that kind of interaction. Yeah. Yeah. So so this is why often if God wants to do something he'll put it on someone's heart to pray for that. Now there's another there's another reason for this and it has to do with the authority that he's Give authorized us. us. But let's just pause mm-hmm. on that initial idea. Uh, it's an invitation to step into this relationship with God and to merge our will with God's will to completely join with what God wants to do. Yeah. That's the, that's the first and most important idea. So like when I use the word transact, it's probably not the best word, but I'm just distinguishing it from like some things that we do in prayer are obviously relational. Like we're just wanting to spend time seeking God and and being in his presence. And sometimes it's, we want God to do something for us because we need something done. Yeah, that's right. You know, we're struggling with something or we're in pain, or we need healing, we need, we need money or yeah. we need a, there's a, any of the things that are, can be selfish too. Like it's, in a, in a, in a, it's something for me. I just need this. I need God to bless me in this way or I need God to move in healing for, for someone or myself. And, and so I'm just asking God to do something for me. But because we are so transactional in how we like to interact with things, often that's the starting point. Or I think what you're saying is the starting point is just understanding the relational aspect of prayer and all those other things okay. fall so, out yeah. from under that. So so let's let's look for a practical starting point. That's a good a good point to speak mm. about starting points. The most powerful intercessors always begin with the question, Lord, what are you saying here? Yeah. Everything begins with, as in Genesis, and God said, let there be. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that he joins, he invites us 
and we see this in Genesis 2, he invites us into the process, right? So let there be this, and we say amen, so be it, right? It's that prayer is the amen, is the so be it. It's the praying, mm-hmm. it's joining and praying for the things that God has promised. Mm-hmm. So intercessors learn that the joy of intercessory prayer is first beginning, not with seeking something, but seeking someone, mm-hmm. And joining with God and saying, "Okay, Lord, what are you, what are you saying here? Mm-hmm. What do you want to do here, Lord?" And then getting a sense of that and praying accordingly—that's powerful, powerful stuff. Lest we just run in and 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 it's all about what we want. Remember, Jesus says in John chapter five, "The Son of Man does nothing except for what He sees the Father doing." So it's it's all about capturing what is God saying, what is God doing. That's the beginning of uh, intercessory prayer. I think intercessory prayer is an interesting one, and I'd like to come back to that. I just want to cover off the, f- the first couple of things we've said just to summarize a little bit about relationship. It's a, you know, it's about, it is about a relationship. It's about expressing our thoughts and emotions and desires and things to God and, and building intimacy with, mm. with him. Um, it's about submission and alignment. So it's not, it, it's about us kind of in a sense going to God and going, you know, as you say, what do you want? Help me understand and come to come to a place of peace of understanding that's yeah. what you want. So yeah. it's actually giving us peace in the middle yeah. of whatever's going on because we've yeah. gone to God and there's a sense of assurance we get from the Spirit that says, no, no, trust me in this. We've got this. Yeah. Th- there is an element of guidance because, again, it's about alignment with God's will. Yeah. So what should I do here? And there's an opportunity for that conversation. So I think those are important things. Intercessory prayer is probably, I think, one of the well for me, one of the more challenging ones because, in a sense, it's like, are we, are we really just aligning ourselves? In other words, coming to a place of peace with what God wants, mm-hmm. which obviously we are, or are we actually able to change something? Yeah, good. Okay, that's a good segue, I think, to the next yeah, point great. that flows out of that. Yeah, great. Uh, and, and this flows out of the level of authority then that we've uh, that we've been given. So it is. Uh, it is God's will that we're involved in this. We've been given charge uh, of this realm as God's image bearers. And so prayer is a function of that authority, really. It is our opportunity to take charge and to implement that responsibility. So intercessory prayer is this stepping, as it were, into the counsel of God and taking responsibility for the things that we need to take responsibility for, but recognizing our dependence on the power of God to actually implement those things. So so it's a intercessory, it's related to the idea of mediating and, and yeah. it's related to this sort of priestly role that's very prominent uh, throughout scripture. We see this being pointed to, you know, throughout, you know, Genesis, we see a case for this being built. It's a very, very central aspect of being fully human is is this priestly kind of role that we have. And and, uh, it's a very central theme throughout the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, where you see God inviting his people into this relationship. The first moment of this is telling, actually, in uh, Genesis chapter 19 with the intercession of Abraham uh, for Sodom and Gomorrah, Mm. where Abraham, you know, the angels come and they... And they say to Abraham, you know, we're going to go down to Sodom and see if they're as evil as, you know, the cry that has reached us. And uh, if it uh, if it is, we'll know, right? And then he reminds Abraham, you know, 
of the promise that I've called you to be, you know, great and powerful nation, to be a blessing to the earth. And so there's a reminder, you, you're called to be a blessing, to mediate blessing. And then, you know, it says Abraham remains standing before the Lord. And he starts intercede. Mm. This is the first intercessory prayer mm. in Scripture in Genesis 19. This is the first time he's done this, right? So, and, and he's still working again from this ancient Near Eastern background. He's still getting used to what he can ask from God. And he says, Lord, you know, what if there are 50 righteous people in that city? And immediately God comes back and says, if there are 50 righteous, I won't destroy it. So there's this sense, I'm responding to you now. You know, he knows that there's an inevitable judgment coming. But Abraham, in a sense, is invited into the counsel of God, as it were. And of course, famously, and, and, and mm. listeners can read that chapter for itself. It's very curious because he goes down in fives, mm. doesn't he? Mm. You know, what if there are 45? Uh, yes, I'll do it. And then he keeps saying throughout that as he goes down in five, what if there are 40? What if there are 35? What? And he keeps saying, Lord, you know, don't be angry, but let me just speak one more time. Don't, you know. Mm. Because he's he's tentative yeah. about that because he doesn't know, am I allowed to yeah. do this? And and God's answer is yes, 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 you're allowed to do this. Now, the interesting thing is he goes down to 10 and he doesn't go any further uh, than that. And, of course, there's only one righteous person. I mean, you know, really, was there any righteous? Mm, yeah. you know, were there yeah. any righteous people really? Uh, in a sense, there probably was. I mean, Lot gets saved. Lot's his cousin who lives, uh, sorry, his nephew who lives in the in the city. And and so Lot gets saved, but it's very it's very kind of Christological as well in the sense that, you know, Jesus is the one righteous person in the, this great Babylon of the world system. You know that is going to save. You know mm. that's going to be the savior of humanity, and that is going to lead to the restoration of the world to a new heavens and new earth. Like this one righteous mm. person, right? Yeah. So in a sense, you know, Abraham's prayer is answered in in a it's prophetic in a way. Mm. But but the the important thing uh, about that is the way that he's invited into that. Mm. Uh, and, and then you see this unfolding theme throughout Genesis. And I'm not going to go into it mm. because it's, but this emphasis in different ways where prayer actually is brought in and the importance of prayer, including the famous story of Jacob wrestling the angel. Yeah, yeah. I will not let you go until you bless me. Mm. And, and he's renamed Israel comes from the idea of he wrestles with mm. God. Mm. And to me, that's a perfect example of what you see in the you know the book that's right in the center of our Bibles, the Psalms. You see people wrestling with God, and you see that, for example, in Moses. And and this, this is, I think, what you're referring to: these moments where it looks like God changes His mind, yeah. and that's very important that we see because the text. Of course, we ask big, broad, abstract questions mm -hmm. about does God change his mind, which is almost out of bounds in a way. Mm, I mean, yep. it's like there's no there's no answer to that, Like because immediately we go to logical, we try to think about it logically, and I just think it's like illegal. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually, I really dislike theological questions like that because they're penetrating outside of what I think theologos, mm. theology, our logical minds can deal with anyway. But the point is in the text within these interactions with Moses that you're referring to, like at the foot of Mount Sinai, yeah. God says, step out of the way, I'm going to destroy this people. Mm. And Moses, and I'm caricaturing, but, mm. but not much. Moses says, no, no, Lord, don't do that because what will the nation say? And what about your glory and yeah. good biblical mm -hmm. arguments? Yep. And God says, essentially, okay, I won't then. I was going to say too, while you were talking about it, do you think God was changing his mind? Or do you think he already had the number 10 and he was just leading Abraham to that point? But 
then when you mention about don't like it about about <laughs> don't like that no, but, no but then yeah. when you're talking about wrestling with god maybe the point of it yeah it's the wrong question was god changing his mind that's my kind of that's how you kind of your human mind sort processes of tries to process it no the actual point of it is the interaction the yeah, re- the point is the interaction. The wrestling. Yeah. It, that's yeah. the thing. We, it's the wrestle. Right. God wants us to actually wrestle with him. Forget about whether he's already figured yeah. that, wow, what he's going to do or whatever. But he actually wants us to, to wrestle with, with him on these things because that's the relationship. Yeah. And I, and I really think it's important to put out, oh, but if God's already determined. what? Yeah. If, like, that's just, again, it's just not helpful. No. And, and this is where, at some point, I've been trying to convince you guys to do an episode on, on the, I, the, the, the clash, which I think we'll do at we'll, some we'll point. The clash between the fact that we, you know, we advocate an open system of reality, and yet we, we talk about that with the closed system mm-hmm. of language. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be very careful that we're not, that theology just doesn't become a closed system, mm. because otherwise our theology, the nature of our theology, mm. contradicts the nature mm. of r- reality that we advocate, which is an open reality. It can't be confined in the box of our, of our logic. So it's important that we stay biblical. Mm. And, and the point in those stories is that God is responding to it. We, we're being invited into an interaction Within God Himself, there we see paradoxically, you know, we see this this process unfolding, this relational process between God and a, and a man by which a certain outcome mm. is achieved. Mm. Uh, we know that's what God wants. We know that God is drawing His people into those interactions, so that the outcome, mm. not not just for the outcome, the the outcome actually isn't the practical outcome yeah. isn't the goal. the The goal actually is the relational process itself. I was just about to say that because you know, we, one of the questions is, you know, you pray for things and they don't happen. So what's the point? The point is not even the outcome, as you say. It's it's the wrestling, the relationship. What's why God wants you to to bring things to him in prayer. Yeah. It's not necessarily that he's going to give you what you want, but the thing that he wants is relationship and he wants to draw you into that. It's the process, the communication. And and it's got to happen. Anything in this world is going to happen that way because we're in charge. Mm -hmm. Remember, it's like God's just, I'll just push you out of the way and I'll just step in and do it. Essentially, he has done that. Remember, he's done that in Jesus Christ, which fulfills, you know, it's God becoming incarnate as a man, and it's, mm-hmm. that's very important mm-hmm. because it was to human beings. Jesus Christ is, in the sense, that second Adam that fulfills the role of humanity. Mm. You know, he fulfills all righteousness. And so it's our job here. It's mm-hmm. not, I mean, you know, the, I, I've heard this illustration, you know, why do we need to serve God? If God does it, why doesn't God just come and do everything, right? And, 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 and a, I think a, a two-week explanation that I've heard for this is this idea, you know, it's like dad's out mowing the lawn and, and, and little Johnny comes out with his plastic lawnmower and dad just loves having little Johnny there with his plastic lawnmower just to feel involved. Mm. No, we don't have a plastic lawnmower. It's not just about <laughs> feeling involved. It's our responsibility. We are, we are really responsible. So uh, God provides the power, but we are responsible for implementing that in this world. Mm. And we do that through prayer and action. And we're responsible for mm. that. This is why in order to save humankind, and there are a lot of other aspects to this, but this is partly why God became human in Jesus Christ to fulfill all righteousness because it had to be 
a man. It it was Adam that got us into this. It was Christ that lifts us out of it. It was important that God doesn't just push us out of the way. Oh, look, yeah. you guys failed. Oh, I'll come and do it. Well, he does do that, but he does that by becoming a man. And he, and he does not push us out of the way, right? Yeah. It's all about restoring us to that position of responsibility and empowering us to do and be who we're meant to be. And mm. in fact, all authority is given unto us. What we bind on yeah. earth will be bound in, in heaven kind of thing. But I think that also then begs the question, if you know people are earnestly praying, let's say, for healing for somebody, yeah, genuinely, earnestly yeah. intercessory prayer for someone who's yeah. who's perhaps terminally ill. How do you reconcile that? Because we've been given the authority, and there's this yeah. group of people faithfully praying, yeah. and God just doesn't well, seem to heal. And you can extend that a little bit to say, well, if intercessory prayer is trying to tap into what God, you know, connect to God's will, and He wants us to bring these things to prayer. So God wants us to bring things to him. So let's say it is healing for someone and we bring it to the, to God because we, we feel that's what we should do and then they die. And that's, particularly if we've been given the authority, yeah. you know, so I think this is the tension, isn't it, with with this, particularly with intercessory prayer where we're praying for other people, there's this tension where we're given the authority. And, and in a sense, that kind of says if we don't pray, God might not act. Mm. So if mm. we do pray... Why does God then not act? And I know that we've sort of answered it yeah. through other episodes yeah. where we've talked around it to do with, you know, pain and suffering and in in the fact that God doesn't give us what we want necessarily. You know, we've mm. got to let God be God and all and mm. that's all at one level. But if you bring it down to the idea of like God actually leads us to pl- to pray, mm. He wants us to engage in that relationship and bring these things to Him, and we bring these things to Him. And the person that we're praying for for healing ends up dying. Mm. It can be a very disempowering when you felt that God was wanting to even heal. Like a lot of people convinced that that's what God wants. It, it, the fact that they died is it because God wanted did, them to die, want, or he, he he didn't want us to pray for them, or he mm. did want us to pray for them? Yet it's a confusing, especially yep. with those really, really dark, you know, it's they're not little things. These are the big yep. life-changing it, things. It depends, of course, how we go into it. I'm not going to answer. No, of course, no. we can't answer questions no, about why, God, yeah. you know, why mm. God allows things. Not even going to go uh, because that, that and it, and it wouldn't be right. But how, however, we do know that the authority that we have is not just to get whatever we want. It's to in, implement it's the authority to implement the will of God uh, mm-hmm. in, in the world. So one of the approaches to this that you know people say, well, it's always God's will to heal. And we, we need mm-hmm. to just assume that and, and pray mm-hmm. that into each situation. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, but again, remember we're in a story, in the midst of a story here. Yes, of course it is. And everyone is going to be healed, right? The final and decisive moment of healing for every human being is on the day of resurrection. Mm-hmm. That is when that final healing. So, yes, it's true. God wants everyone to be healed uh, and and everyone is going to be healed. Uh, The most dramatic healing that we experience on this earth, you can be healed and you're still dying. So we are never fully healed Mm -hmm. uh, in this life. I mean, that's the first thing. And and I also also believe that Mm -hmm. God heals and I think we should pray for healing. But again, you know, I've been involved in these processes and, and you're thinking about, you know, situations where people pray and pray and they hold on to that healing and, and then, you know, the person dies and there's disillusionment. And, and, and you know, I heard 
recently of someone telling me, is it unfortunately non-Christian, but a, from a part of a Christian family that was telling me that in a particular church, you know, the pastor got cancer and whole church was praying and holding on to this promise. And right up to the point when he died, even at the funeral, they were still praying mm. for this guy to be raised from the dead. They just wouldn't let go. And, you know, this woman was saying how horrible the the feeling at the funeral, people just walked away completely defeated. Mm. And contrast to that, to situations that I've been involved with, tragic situations, I, you know, I, I, I may say, where it's been a, actually a privilege to journey with that person. I know this sounds strange, but I've had the, and I'll call it a privilege of journeying with people right up to the point where they have passed into glory. And we have heard from God. We have found God in that place. Because, and, and the best experiences of intercession in, in situations like that are situations where people are looking for God. Lord, we want to connect with you in this situation. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. What are you saying in this situation? Right. Of course, we get to express our heart to God. Lord, we want to see healing, right? Because God says, give me your desires. But it's, we need to unburden ourselves about, mm-hmm. give them to God. But part of the process is God taking our desires and shaping them so that they merge with his as well in that situation. So by the time the outcome comes, there's a sense of peace, not just resignation, yeah. but a real sense of peace. Like we really see that God has that person. But there's a confidence good. in that because yeah. we've gone on the journey with intercession yeah. and there's a confidence and that, in that. And that's kind of where I was going with asking that question, not so much to rationalize why yeah. does God allow people to die, but it's, and then when you say like, when God says to give him your desires and your burden, I mean, we're talking about your your agendas and your goals and yeah. what you want to achieve. So in giving that to God, he's not really saying, give it to me and I'll make them come true. He's saying, give them to me. And so you're not invested in the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll I will give you do a piece about yeah. whatever happens. I will do, I will yeah. do, what I do because mm. I'm God. Mm. That's right. So, for example, someone says to me, oh, so, you know, c- can I pray that God would give me, a, you know, a, a red Ferrari? And my answer is, please do pray. Please do take that desire to God. Yeah. And just let's just see what he does with it. Because he might not change your car, mm-hmm. but he may well change your desire. Yeah. And that's why we need to take our desires to God. Now, just going back to the healing thing, and because I in no wise want to take away no, from the totally. from the yeah. inherent tragedy mm-hmm. of death. This is the part of the story as well, because it's not, oh, so it's all good at the end. No, there's still tragedy in it. Remember when Jesus was confronted by the death of Lazarus, knowing that he would resurrect him, he still wept. Now, we know that God's going to resurrect the person that dies, and yet there's still grief and tragedy. It's just not right. We weren't created to die. Yeah. It's It's a terrible predicament. Mm-hmm. Right, and God is doing something about it, but the final, the final outcome of that yeah. is in the so, future. Which, now we have yeah. tastes of that, yeah. and every instance of healing totally. now is is a reminder, is a sign for everyone, including the, the raising of Lazarus. Mm. It was referred to as a sign. Lazarus still died, but that was to be a sign that Jesus has the power to resurrect. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great, and that speaks to the mission paradigm that you yeah, keep talking great. about. Yeah, We're yeah. dropped in. 
we're here for God's mission and then we're taken out whenever we're taken out. But ultimately, the fulfillment of the mission is at the end. That's right. When Jesus comes again and we're always. Yeah, that's and right. so what happens in that space in between, it's about us coming to a sense of peace of knowing that God's got this, yeah. that it's part of the plan. And ultimately, he's gonna. Yeah, that's right. Let me let me just take this no, back good. to to the to the Psalms because one of the things that I wanted to address was this wrestle. Okay? Yeah, great. And what you see in the Psalms is a real wrestle, right? Mm. And and it doesn't take away from that bold wrestling with God, right? That real contending in prayer. Uh, it's so because I don't want to portray it as this kind of pass again, just ah, oh, just whatever will be will be. You know, it's that's not what prayer is. You know, prayer is about taking hold of a promise of God because God wants to draw us into His will, right? So what you see in the Psalms is them in really rugged situations. They're taking hold of who God has promised to be for them and ultimately what God's will is for his people. Now, they don't presume when God's going to answer or how God's going to answer. It's always, Lord, what are you going to do about this? It's they, They're looking for God to do something, right? They, they pray for particular things. But the process is important because, remember, faith is not this power that enables us to get the things that we want. Faith is us stepping into the will of God, abandoning our autonomous self, mm. stepping in and merging our will with God's will. Faith is is Jesus saying, I only do what I see my Father's done, completely merging with that. It's also saying, not your will, but trust, not my will, but your will be done. Trusting enough to let go of the outcome. Well, letting think? go of the outcome, but not letting go of God. And this, is, the, this is where the Psalms... And 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 that story of Jacob wrestling the you know the angel. I will not let you go until you bless me. It's this: how much are you willing to? Because uh, that holding on to God, and it's a struggle because we're, we're sacrificing a lot, right? Where, like, I'm going to keep holding on to God because remember, it's relationship, mm. and and a relationship is something that needs to be willed. And so, you know, prayer is the process by which we hold on to God and we mm. don't let go, where we trust in what God wants to do, and we're exercising that trust. And it's like, you know, faith is like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the more it grows. Our desire is like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the more it grows. So we're we're holding on to God. We're saying we're not going to let go. We want to see you at work here. And God lets this process unfold, even for long periods of time. I mean, you know, you look at the Psalms and you see situations where people have clearly been praying a long time before God answers, lest we think that if you've been praying for that, whatever you've been praying for, for a long period of time, think, oh, I should just give up, as though as though there's something wrong with that situation. Mm-hmm. Well, the book that exemplifies what prayer looks like at its best has people saying things like, how long, O oh Lord, how long? So God leaves us in that situation, exercising that muscle of desire and prayer and what you find in the Psalms, amazingly, is people finding such a sense of connection with God because they're holding on so tight that they're finding a joy, even paradoxically in the midst of grief and hardship, they're finding an underlying joy of that connection with God and, and, a, and an assurance mm. that God has this even before the outcome that they want is, is seen. Did you think there that God's then moving you from being invested in the outcome to investing in the in the relationship instead, the the, the wrestle with with God, the is trying to move you from not so much being focused on what I'm going to get yeah. as a result of this, but focused on the the journey and the the process of learning how to relate and wrestle and engage with God. That is the point of of prayer is actually to 
And that to me that, I mean, I can just look at myself and I think, well, it's about letting go. How much am I prepared to let go of what I want? I'm always confronted by that challenge. Underneath that is the question of trust. Am I prepared to trust? Because it means I'm stepping out into something that I'm not in control of. So I'm having to to let go of the things that I want and the outcomes that I expect. And so therefore, when I'm praying, then I'm not really praying to get the outcome, mm. but it's mm. I'm praying to give it to God and, 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 and allow God to be God, but still bring it before him and wrestle with him in it. But it, the outcome isn't the thing, whether it was successful the prayer. Yeah, I, you know, I'm I, I think to, that's right. I'm just, I'm just I'm uncomfortable just, yeah. with this idea of letting go because mm. it, it's too. Mm. I'll just let yeah. go, and whatever yeah. will be, will be. And 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 you know, as yeah. long as I'm with God, actually, um, uh, let me think about how to see. See what you really want. Mm. We don't really know what we want. Mm. We think that this and this and this is going to be the best thing. Mm. No, what we really want is what God wants mm. for us. You know, and so. What I see in the Psalms is not them letting go in one sense. That's not the dominant note. No. I guess there is an element of that. Yeah. They're actually holding on yeah. to something and they're not letting go. This is the, I will not let you go until you bless me without preempting what that it's, yeah. the, the, you know, faith is the holding on and not letting go yeah. of God and of what God wants in the understanding that th- there's this faith that, what you have said you would do in this circumstance. Uh, so, so the you know the appeals in the Psalms are: if you abandon us, how is that going to glorify you, God? How how are you going to be known as God amongst? The, there are these arguments that they make before God, and and the best examples of prayer in Scripture are people making what um, John Bunyan in his uh, book on prayer referred to as uh, presenting arguments before the, the throne of grace, like mm. like a appealing to mm. the promises of God. And and what's happening there is that in that process, there's a merging with mm-hmm. those as they're holding on to the promises mm. of God. It's it's part of that process of, of our will merging with God's will. And mm. so, so the process of holding on to the promise of God, again, without preempting how, because you can mm. hold on and, and just to validate, you know, what you were saying about the outcome, it's holding on to the promises of God and the outcomes that God, without any specific, but it's got to look like this at this time and in this way. You know, because remember, faith, I've you know, defined faith before as essentially letting God be God. It's, it's willing that God would be God in this particular situation, as well as taking responsibility mm. for, for yeah. what, mm. what we need to be. But th- there is a sense of, of letting God handle mm. the specifics, specifics of the outcome. But there is a holding on to the fact that, God, I, I want to see you glorified in this, in this circumstance. Mm. And that kind of holding on prayer, you mm. know, it's, the, it's Matthew chapter 15 with the woman, who, the Canaanite woman who prays for her child. Mm. And, and there's a psalm-like thing happening here because initially says that Jesus doesn't answer her a word. I mean, that's, mm. it says, that, mm. I quote, Jesus does not answer her a word. This is in Matthew 15. And then she keeps coming after him, right? And and the story is there because it's like, you need to do this, right? When you feel like God walks away from you, he's inviting you into something. Mm-hmm. How much are you really, how much will you trust me? How much will you pursue me? This is what it means to pursue God. It's the exercise of this faith, right? And so she goes, you know, she keeps going after him. The disciples say, Jesus, 
Can you do something about it? Send this woman away. He says, I've come only for the lost children of Israel. Mm. Even then she won't let up. She keeps after him. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then he says to her, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Like he's really, he's pushing. There's a deliberate, it seems cruel, I know, but he's trying to draw out the persistence of her faith. Mm -hmm. You know, and then she says, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall beneath the table. Probably, you know, a, a kind of reference to Leviticus 19 verse 9, which talks about the, you know, when you harvest your crops, don't pick up the crumbs, crumbs that fall to the, the ground. Yeah. Leave them for the alien and the stranger, mm. right, in the mm. land. And she is commended for her faith. It's one of the few times where Jesus is delighted in the faith of a person, right? Mm. Because she is, she's taking hold and she's not letting go. And, you know, she wants to see uh, the promise of God you know, fulfilled in, in her situation. And and clearly she yeah. believes he can because yeah. that's why she's persistent. Yeah, that's right. And this is the limitation of language because I still see there's a danger in that because it then it becomes, well, if I can just believe enough, and pray I, yeah, 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 I yeah. can make God do what I, yeah. I want if I just hold on to this and just, I believe you can do it, God, I'm going to ask you to do it. Mm. And I'm just going to keep holding on to that as if, exercising that faith muscle will make this happen. Yeah. And I guess that's what I mean by letting go of the outcome that the point still isn't the outcome. It's the ability to actually say to God, you, you will do what you want, but I'm going to plead with you for this. But my faith in you isn't determined by the, how I see the outcome being worked. And in the process, we're going to wrestle about this and we're going to have a relationship and I'm going to get to know you That's better right. yeah, rather than have it push me away. Yeah. Right. So, you know, so in that, yes, in that story, mm. her daughter is healed, of course. The important thing about her prayer is that she's not letting go of Jesus. That's the, she's not, yeah. she's not willing to let up uh, on that. And then you go forward to the book of Hebrews, the famous chapter in Hebrews chapter 11. And it says expressly, it commends these people for their faith. And, and what it commends about their faith is that none of them, received what they they didn't receive the thing that they hoped for right right? Mm. that's the thing that they because you know abraham trusted god even though he never saw what he hoped for but he trusted god Mm -hmm. and that's sort of the ultimate sense because there's this there's this long-term thing that the the best the ultimate answers to our all of our prayers Mm -hmm. are still future and faith is us connecting with the god who is bringing this about he gives us tastes of this now and signs of this now, but ultimately he wants our hope to be in the future, not in having final perfection and all the problems being solved in the here and now. This world, our bodies, all of this will pass away. The ultimate you know, fulfillment of everything, we still await. This is where this biblical worldview perspective, this dynamic unfolding story that has a future element, that needs to be you know, remember that's not all about the here and now, that we are encouraged. In fact, the essence of hope is longing and anticipating in faith what God is about to bring about. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Thrive Perspectives. Our hope is that these discussions will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective. You'll find all our resources at the Thrive Today website, thrivetoday.tv If there's a topic that you'd like us to discuss, please email us. Our email is contact at thrivetoday.tv Until next time, our prayer is that you will thrive.
thrive.